Sparkin' Conversations, a podcast for electricians, hosted by an electrician. The Electrical Association is committed to keeping electricians in the know about the latest developments in the industry. Experts will be on to help answer the tough questions, talk shop, and give tips to help make your jobs work. Welcome back to another podcast production of Sparkin' Conversations from the Electrical Association. I'm Mike Miller, your host. I would like to take thank you for sharing some of your time today with us. Well, today's guest is uh, a very distinguished gentleman, I might add. I've known him for quite some time. He's actually a professional licensed electrical engineer. He's one of our distinguished teachers among us in the Electrical Association. He's taught Uh, I think every year of the apprenticeship program. But let me tell you a little bit more about him. He spent 20 years experience in the electrical industry as an electrical engineer, electrician, trainer, and manager. He's the electrical group leader and senior electrical engineer at BKV Group in Minneapolis. He's been a contractor, owner, and principal of CA Electric, master electrician of records since 1994. He now is the president of the International Association of Electrical Inspectors, Minnesota chapter. Uh, Chad has been a, worked with that group for a long time, done a great deal of good for the electrical industry in the state. Uh, other things to tell you about Chad, he is a class A master electrician licensed in the state of Minnesota and is also a professional engineer in Minnesota and 28 other states. He has a bachelor of science degree from electrical engineering, a master's degree in adult education, NCCER certified electrical instructor, and electrical curricula instructor. He's a former chief of the Dunwoody Electrical Department for 12 years. While he's not doing electrical work, which you wouldn't think with all those accolades he'd have much time to do much more, he does enjoy hiking, reading and collecting vintage national electrical codes. He's a creator of the Electrical Professional YouTube channel with 804 videos in 1,400 hours. 14,000 subscribers and 2 million viewers have participated in his works online. Well, Chad, if I talk about you, no one's going to get a wordy in edgewise. Welcome to our program this evening. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. Well, it's our pleasure. I tell you, it's been my pleasure to know you for the, what seems like a short time I have, and it's really been great. Well, let's move right into our questions, Chad. Uh, the first one I'd like to check out with you, of course, as you probably remember, we were going to talk about electric vehicles tonight and or today as we talk about this. We, we understand there's a lot of interest in that in the trade. The electricians are really picking up a lot of the classes they can on to learn as much as they can. So, so the first question I'd like to ask you, as an electrical engineer, do you see a rising interest among commercial clients to have you make provisions in your plans for electric vehicle charging, whether they are putting them in now or later? Well, thank you, Mike. That's uh, that's a really a great question. Um, we currently, like you mentioned, I work for a company called BKV Group. We're engineers and architects. We work in 38 states right now. And every jurisdiction that we go to, every state, we encounter some type of a state rule or some city ordinance that require by code, by local code or ordinance require a percentage of parking spots to be electrified as an electric charging stations. 
we have so and they divide it into day one and future for example some of them go five percent of the number of the parking spots have to be electric vehicle charging station occupied uh, or installed day one and and also another 5% for the future. So we go five day one, five future, some jurisdictions, other go 10 and we have 15 and all the way up to 20. So some jurisdiction will require 20% of their parking spots to be um, to be electric vehicle charging station installed day one and then another 10, um, another 20% for the future. So absolutely, it's required almost in all the jurisdiction that we work, work through required by uh, mostly ordinance um, or state rules um, also, there's a lot of incentives to have electric vehicle charging stations, especially if you're going after some type of sustainability awards like LEED or any other green initiatives, um, and you go after sustainability, sustainability funds from state at the state level, federal level, state level, or local level. So absolutely. We're saying um, it's going to be 20 day one and most of the time 20 day one and 20 in the future percentage of the parking spots. Well, Chad, that, that really doesn't surprise me as you listen to the news daily talking about the need for electric vehicles and the state's uh, incentives they're actually offering for people to look into it and perhaps own one eventually. Well, moving on to our next question, it's kind of a tough one, I think, but we've heard all about the power suppliers are genuinely concerned with the ability to meet the demand to provide electrical energy to charge the ever-increasing number of electric vehicles. Is this a concern when laying out buildings for charging stations that an alternate energy source, source such as solar voltaic systems should also be incorporated into the design? Absolutely. Most of the building that we do right now, we typically, of course, we do a load calculation based on NEC. And we end up, I would say, an average building that we do have two services, 3,000 amp each at the level of 208, 120 single phase, I mean, three phase or 480, 277, three phase. So out of these two services, 3,000 amp each, we, these are just the loads as in, um, you know, lighting, HVAC equipment, heating, cooling, and ventilation and so forth. Now, uh, in the last I would say a couple of years we have been incorporating also the load for electric vehicle charging stations. And as you probably, Mike, probably you know that in NDC 2023, they, they make it very clear, Article 625, uh, 625.42, there's two ways of calculating the electric vehicle charging stations um, and, and aggregating their loads into the overall load of the b- building. So one of them will encounter an energy management system if you have an energy management system and the other one will have what they call it adjustable settings and some of the manufacturers or almost all the manufacturers have some type of adjustable settings on their electric vehicle charging stations um, and others have some type of management system. What that means is if you have, if you have say 100 charging stations, I'm going to call them charging stations right now, and each one of them, on average, what we do right now, it's 8KW. This will be level two charging station. Most of the stuff that we install, for the most part, has been around 8KW. So that if you have 100 of them, now you multiply this by 8, you got yourself 800KW load that will be allocated on your switch gear as well as on the, the utility transformer. 
So that 800KW, they can be, if you, and most of the manufacturer have, like I said, adjustable settings on these charging stations where you can cut these charging station down to a half, meaning if you have the adjustable sitting on them, which most manufacturers do, that 800kW can be cut down into a 400kW. So now you can go charge your switch gears, switch boards, panel boards, um, and everything else other than the brand circuits. You can charge, you can, you can size them based on a 400kW instead of an 800kW because you can control the load. That's the adjustable settings. The other way also they can control the load is through the energy management system, which is data line that goes between all these charging stations, the 100 of them, and they can, they, you can decide how much these 800 K, 800 KW can be counted for when it comes to the switch gear. So you can set up the energy management system to count instead of 800, you can make it count as only 400, meaning it would not be able to deliver more than 400 or 300 or 500. And based on that settings, you can go size your switch gear or switch board or panels and so forth and the utility transformer based on the settings that you do in the energy management system. So what I'm, I know it's a long, uh, a long conversation, but this is a big deal right now. Just because you have, I say, the 100 um, charging station does not mean you have to size a utility transformer for 100 for all that 100 charging stations. You can manage that load through the energy management system or through adjustable settings. And that's what we're doing in some of our projects right now. That will allow you to install a lot more charging station in a lot, in many areas. And at the same time, you don't have to, especially a retrofit, you don't have to go, you might not need to go change the transformers and so forth. So that's kind of building the infrastructure and you, and, and all these, um, energy management system and adjustable setting is based on the diversity of the load. It's highly unlikely when you have a hundred vehicles sitting in there, highly unlikely they're all fully engaged in being charged fully at the same time. So there's some diversity in the load. Um, so we take advantage of that diversity in order to size our electrical infrastructure for the future in day one. And now the utility is working on building and beefing up the infrastructure as nas nationally, as we all know. Uh, but for us who build buildings, we are building infrastructure right now. And at the same time, we control the load and also we beef up the utility transformer when we know we're going to have an electric charging station. For example, most of our buildings take 750 kVA transformers, um, two transformers on average. So when we know we're going to have a 20% or 30% charging station, we go up that transformer into a one meg. So instead of two 750s, we end up with two one meg transformers. So there is a lot going on to accommodate that, and that, that's good to hear. And I didn't realize that load management was such a key player in that, which makes a lot of sense. And it certainly could get a person over a lot of humps power-wise or uh, creating brownouts with your systems. I'm, I'm pleased to see that. Well, well, Chad, moving again to another question I just wanted to run by, and that's as you probably visit with many, many electrical professionals daily across the, the, the state and even the country, do you perceive a major interest in learning more about electric vehicles and solar energy sources? A hundred percent. We, like I said, our firm is we have 300 uh, professionals in our firm. Most of them are architects and a big chunk of them are engineers, different type of engineers. And our architects are, 
with the owners of these buildings that we build, they're 100% vested in green energy and, and the green future and so forth. So solar photovoltaic system, we and uh, and our clients, we, we immediately jump into the solar for almost all the buildings that we do, either day one or future build infrastructure for solar. And with solar photovoltaic system tie directly into the solar, the electric charging stations, electric vehicle charging stations, it directly tied into it. So when we know we have a solar system and we have, we can, we can account for some of the energy that the solar photovoltaic system can, can generate to charge into our, um, electric charging, electric vehicle charging station, which will help the, the grid. So there is a big interest right now, um, through regulations, through, industry uh, associations and uh, like i said the whole as we all know like uh, we heard about california 35 2035 20, all the vehicles will be will sold there will be electric uh, vehicles um and i think that's going to roll all over the country in my opinion so we as professionals we build buildings and we engineer them we you know we believe this is going to be the future and this is what we discuss with our clients and we build the infrastructure one thing, if I may, Mike, jump in, and I know it's expensive to build the infrastructure. We had a situation where instead of building the switch gear, all what we did is just we we allocated um, a pad a pad for a future transformer next to the building, just a space, a 10 by 10 foot pad space for a pad for a transformer in the future. And in the our switch gear, we allocated an eight foot by four foot space for a future 3000 amp switch gear. And we pulled conduits from the switch gear future switch gear into the future pad to sit the transformer and that will sit that particular building for a future electric vehicle charging station all what they have to do pop a utility transformer um, and then pull these cables into the location of a switch gear and wire the entire ramp um, multi-story ramp that we have there f- with the electric vehicle when the when the time comes so yes there's a lot of interest well, Chad, I, I'm kind of glad to hear you're being very proactive to the future. And, you know, uh, you talk to some electrical workers, and I have, that say, boy, you'll never get my gas here from me. But, you know, I, I guess we have to be kind of realistic about it. It's certainly a time coming. Uh, moving on to another question. This is a little bit technical because I know we have a lot of electricians that listen to our presentation. But um, I, I know you're prepared to talk about it, too. But tell us about the mecha- uh, in mechanics of electric vehicles. How important is grounding and bonding of this equipment? Well, Mike, as you know, grounding and bonding or earthing, like they call it in other parts of the world, is the first line of safety from electrocution for all of us. Um, For all electrical equipment, be it a rooftop unit, a chiller, or be it a panel or a lighting fixture or receptacle. So that's the first line. Electric charging station, um, no difference. They are electrical equipment. So the all metallic object or metallic frame of these equipment have to be grounded on the line side of it. Um, if it's level one plugged in, um, or level one, level two, or level three, either one of them plugged in or hardwired or fastened in place or fixed in place, all these have to be um, grounded through an equipment grounding conductor size based on NEC uh, National Electric Code, Article 250. 
and uh, based on overcompetition device ahead ahead of it. Most of the breakers, m- most of the electric vehicle charging station that we use right now, they are typically in the 30 to 90 amp range. They tend to be 208 or 240 single phase. That's what the most common that we're doing in our buildings, basically from 30 amp, 208 or 240, typically 208 because we have three, three phase all the way into a 90. And of course, as you and I know, you take the overcompetition device and you size the equipment and conductor based on the two 50.122. That's the electrical part. Also, I was I read through a lot of literature that's done by the manufacturers. We use a lot of charge point charging station. We use Leviton. We use Siemens, Cliburk, uh, 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 Creek. These are common, you know, vendors or common charging stations that we have installed in our buildings, and almost. All of them have some type of a function, uh, a ground fault detection function inside the equipment that work, I believe, work on the AC and the DC side. So there is inside the electronics, the conversion from AC to DC when we charge the station, there's also have some type of a ground fault protection um, and detection in, in on the DC side. So yes, it's very important and it's factored in on the AC and the DC side, I believe. I, I kind of expected that answer, Chad, but of course, as an engineer, I'm sure you're much more qualified to answer than an electrician and especially an educator. I appreciate that. Uh, so the next question, this has to do with the finances. And we're talking about when it comes to paying a bill for energy right now, it's not too bad because technically I just pay a certain amount, I believe, every month or when I register my vehicle and buy the tags or however, I'm very easy to take condition. But looking at the infrastructure that does need significant advancement to meet the need, my concern is this, is that going to be starting to go off the shelf for costs based on the immense amount of works that's necessary to bring it up to the needs we have? Well, uh, last year we had a conference in Minnesota Mipsicon. Mipsicon, if anybody have ever gone to it, it's basically a conference for power station, power providers like utilities. And there was a bunch of like a hundred, almost a thousand engineers there. And the talk about all the electrical utilities in the Midwest, they come to that conference. And the talk last year was about electrifying the highways, um, as in electrical utilities acting as uh, gas stations. So the utilities are fully aware of their new role in the new world that we're going to be living in, which is the electric vehicle world. I, I believe it. I call it the electric, electric vehicle world. So they are aware of that. They, I believe there will be a lot of incentives, mostly probably f- federal and state incentives, and they are uh, in, in order to electrify the highways and have all these electric charging stations be at level, typically level two or level three. They're going to go all the way to level three. So I'm not worried about that. The, 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 I think there will be, I think it's, a few, it's here to stay. It's the future. It might take time to build all this infrastructure, with the solar, and, and remember, Mike, we're adding also solar, beefing up the national grid with solar. So beefing the national grid with solar and having um, federal funds to build all these, um, I call them gas stations along the highways, which is electric vehicle charging stations. Um, I think we're going to have the infrastructure to charge, to have um, um to charge our electric vehicles. That's on the kind of the public part. On the private part, all the buildings that we build right now, we we're building infrastructure in these buildings. Um, either day one or in the future, like I said, we're doing 20%. And then also the capability, the ability of adding another transformer to the building, which is 
almost always, well, I would say it's always possible to add another transformer or beef up the existing transformer to add another 3000 amp switch gear to beef up the, the, the garage in the area. So I'm not worried about the infrastructure. Um, I think with, when you couple solar with electric vehicle charging station, I think it's, I think it's a good combination. Um, and it is what I can see from where we sit as engineers and what I see dealing with electrical utilities. It, it is the future. Super. Well, Chad, I got an easy one for you now, and I think I even know the answer, but uh, in your design work, which method of connecting a vehicle to a power system do you see most often? Uh, the actual cord plugged into the vehicle or even the wireless transfer method? For currently, almost all what we do is the cord connected uh, method. We have not, in our firm, we have not done wireless transfer um, not sure about other firms, but that's our experience. Um, almost all of them are, like I said, um, all, all of them are cord connected. Like I said, we dealt with Leviton, ChargePoint. We did a bunch of other manufacturers, uh, Creek and Siemens and a bunch of others. And we always like to have the dual head where you can have a charging station, typically 40, 40 amps and they have two charging. Um, you can charge from one station. You can charge two vehicles where they can share the power. Uh, and that's what we commonly do. So, for example, these are rated typically for 8KW or 7.2KW. So if two vehicles are plugged in the same charging station, each one of them will have half of the 7.2. And if one of them is plugged into it, it will, ha- will take the full 7.2, which means if two vehicles are plugged in, they will take longer to charge versus if one vehicle is, is plugged into one, one of these uh, double heads. So, yeah, that we have not, unfortunately, we have not done wireless. And when we talk to the vendors, I, I haven't seen any vendor really approached us with wireless yet. I'm not sure how other people see it, but most of the vendors that we deal with right now, they're the technology that, that they use, um, that proven that's working really good. The, at least my experience is cord connected charging station systems. And that was the answer I actually expected simply because I was told at one time that wireless has to be matched to the actual vehicle that'll be using it or a certain range of vehicles. Not you can't just jump on one and it's going to work every time. But that, that did answer the question I was kind of thinking about there. Okay. Next one's kind of an easy one too, I think. But electrically speaking, are you aware of any alternative methods in use or under study of billing a user for electrical energy associated with vehicle charging at its premises? Now, yes. you know what I mean there. You are yeah. okay. It's- Tell me about it. Yeah, they actually, most of the manufacturer, all, all the vendors that we deal with, they have the ability of charging the client for the use of the charging station. So you can do it. Uh, a lot of them have a credit card. You can just put a credit card if it's in the public and through your credit card, it can charge your, your, uh, you release the charger and you plug it in and charge your car. And of course, you know, it will bill your credit card. So that's, that's one. The others, the ones we install in private buildings, uh, like our apartments, they can charge it. They can give them a number that they can plug in or they can um, rent them. So there are other means of activation by giving them a number they plug in and they can charge or they can um, activate it through their, um, you know, their fobs, their house fobs. Or So yes, there are the technologies there to charge them for the use of electricity. I kind of figured that was the case, but just nice to hear from, from the engineering side of it. 
Chad, here's one of the one of the most exciting phases of electrical I have ever seen in my career as an electrician, and that's the event of the class four uh, circuit, the communication circuit. And I believe this digital technology will, at some point in time, take over the way we do anything with overcurrent protection. But the question I had with the event of the class four being introduced in the 2023 code, do you see any correlation occurring where the charging technology industry with the digital transmission of the energy industry may cross paths and create a super safe system for charging? Please explain if you probably do, but you're aware of the class four systems, how they work. We have a transmitter and a receiver, and we transmit pulses of wire. And before it even uses the energy, it determines that it made it to its destination safely and allows the next pulse or packet of energy to be transmitted. To me, that yep. is fascinating. Where do you see that crossing with the electric vehicle industry? A hundred percent. So here's what I envision. With renewable, with the green grid, I call it the green grid, which is solar. Basically, the major part of green grid right now is solar. With the solar energy beefing up our national electrical grid on one side and the electric vehicle um, eliminating all the pollution that comes out of the gas and what's not on, on the other side. So we have the production is very clean or going towards being clean, being from the sun, and also the consumption is being clean, being electric vehicles, that the two tied together will create a dynamic, in my opinion, that will be really unique, where, as we all know, each charging station can, the, the charging station of the future will be able to charge your car and your car change, charge a grid. So it is energy transfer device where you can either if you have extra energy of your car you can you can send the energy back to the grid and vice versa charge your car so with this i'm envisioning each one of us will be a consumer in our homes of energy and a producers of energy now in order to control a world where every load is a utility and every utility is a load basically uh, your consumer and producer at the same time to to control that world, you do need a class four circuits. You, de- you need telecommunication. The utilities have mastered this system with the national grid. They can monitor the power flow from one side of the country to the other and tilt the power from one area to another when needed, where needed. And I envision a world where this technology will transfer to our homes, where we can tell our cars when to charge itself and when to release the energy into the grid. I 100% class four or any of these silicon class two circuits or any of these, you know, uh, the utilities use a PLC system, you know, that power signal that they run through their power line. So there's a lot of other technologies, radio, you know, the, also the, the utilities, as you know, they use the um, Excel use to, they, currently they control our air conditioning, right? Uh, the, what do you call the energy saver? They can send the signal and control when my, my, my AC system can run. That technology is there. They can do the same thing to control when my electric vehicle can charge, especially when we move into um, into level three charging stations. So definitely, it is the future. Perfect. Well, Chad, we're really we've we've talked about a lot, but the final question I like to all ask all of my guests on on the podcast is uh, leave our listeners today with some word of wisdom when it comes to electricians' future in the world of electric vehicles. 
Well, if I wish I was younger <laughs> to live in, to, to experience and live in this new world that's coming, um, I envision guys, you can imagine if you're a young electrician right now, that you're going to be the gas station. The electricians will be running all these gas stations nationwide. Can you imagine that? We're going to be the, uh, the petroleum, basically. All these charging stations, imagine these charging stations that they're all completely electric. This is great work for the, elect the electrician, young electricians. You're going to be maintaining all these national infrastructure that's going to replace all the, the gas station nationwide. So the future is very, very bright to the electricians. I mean, they will be great. I mean, you, I mean, I can't think of a better way, uh, of combining better than combining the solar energy with the electric vehicle together. Green energy, safer, in my opinion, better for the environment, for grandkids, our kids and our grandkids. And at the same time, a great challenge to us as electricians and as engineers to build this bold future for our country and for the world. Chad, that, that's really enlightening and, and heartwarming to listen to someone that has such a, a deep insight into it as well as such optimism. I appreciate that. Um, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to share this enlightening information uh, about all the conditions associated with electric vehicles and some solar. Uh, and really appreciate you, what you've done to tell us about that. Are there any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners today? Well, I, especially the young and the young at heart, I want to tell them that the future of the electrical field that we're all in is very bright. It is, it, it's great. Like I said, get excited. If you're a young electrician, uh, go get your journeyman license, get your master license. The future is yours. And we're going to have that's on a personal level for electricians and the future for our country and the world is even brighter as we move more and more towards renewable energy um, and clean energy to save our, our, our mother earth. Well, Chad, again, I really appreciate you joining me for today's podcast. Uh, I'd also like to thank our producer, Katie Grams, and our sound engineer, Travis Lennox, who makes us sound so good for making this public presentation possible. And I'm Mike Miller, closing out today with Sparking Conversations. Tune in again from wherever you're picking up your podcast from. We've got more coming. Thank you. Spark and Conversations is a production of the Electrical Association. For more information, visit www.electricalassociation.com. Electrical Association.